Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers and The War of the Worlds. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Pick up the phone, Doug. Oh, he listened. Hello? Hey. Hey. He I'm must really... be on Canadian time. I literally was like, pick up the phone, Doug, and then you hopped on. Was... Really? Yeah, I just assume you heard me through the internet. I did not. In some miraculous turn of events, I can't hear you speaking hundreds of kilometers away. Listen to this guy, Noah. Kilometers. <laughs> Nobody knows what that means, Doug. <laughs> really? You guys are going to make fun of my country right now? No. How is your civil war going anyway? <laughs> Not civil. The name is misleading. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I uh, kind of predicted that as soon as he he was elected. I was like, we're going to have a civil war. It's going to be great. The funniest thing is it sure seems like uh, our shit spilling over into every other country somehow, though. <laughs> I mean, did you see all the shit with uh, the protesters in Greece? No, but they always get out of control in Greece. Ever, ever since they fucked up their economy. Exactly. They're so they're so angry. Yeah, nice deflection, guys. Good work. <laughs> totally Greece. Yeah, other countries. Definitely not our fault. <laughs> Uh, yeah, welcome to the shitstorm, everybody. Remember how we were all sad because we couldn't get out of our houses? Now everybody's terrified to go out, out of their house, so it works out. Yeah. So all right. Stuff, how's stuff going up in Canada? No, uh, no civil war going on up there? No. We had a, an awkward moment where someone asked our prime minister about your president, and there's a debate on whether it was appropriate for him to take like a 22 second pause before responding because he didn't know what the <laughs> fuck to say. Did no, he go, that's appropriate. Back. There was there was like a sigh, and then a long, long pause, and then some very politically correct answer. See, that's not what I want. I want him to go, Jesus Christ, that guy, and just start ranting on him. Like, I would love it. Uh, I I know 
will, but you do understand that our economies are heavily intertwined and that you guys have put in power a man who will destroy that if he feels slighted in the least bit. Yeah. It'd be worth it to cut ties. I still don't quite understand what slights him. Because it seems like things that shouldn't slight him, slight him very bad. Yeah. And then whenever people intentionally are like, you're a piece of shit, he's like, yeah, I'm great. <laughs> it's a little weird. God, he's garbage. I know. The good news is you guys can stop having your big debate about whether you live in a free country or not, because that's answered. Oh, yeah, we, we most certainly do not. <laughs> that's... So in Canada, how how often is it that your police murder somebody? And and I mean, but that's from like yesterday, right? Because you guys have to have like what sixty a month. I don't, I, I don't think we have sixty murders in Canada a month, let alone murders by police. <laughs> <laughs> if you excluded like. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know the numbers. I won't try to guess how many people are murdered in Canada a year. But like, it's a big deal if somebody gets murdered here. We all like put it on the news and stuff every yeah, time. That's every day here down here in the states. Well, somebody was murdered. Yeah. Well, you guys would find it adorable up here. We're still treating coronavirus like it's a big deal. <laughs> oh my god, that's so that's so May, Doug. I know. We've moved on to the Civil War. Now now our numbers are climbing back up again. <laughs> some, some good stuff going backwards. Coronavirus, uh, race riots. I see Yellowstones article. get ready to explode. I see an article that apparently they put a bigger fence up around the White House to keep I the protesters. Jesus Christ. It's like a glass wall they put up from what I can tell from the pictures. I liked, I liked. I didn't read all of the details, but did Trump go into the like basement bunker of the thing and then claim that he was just inspecting it to make sure it was okay? Is that a thing that uh, happened? Yeah. No, uh, I, I don't. I don't know about the inspecting thing, but the the craziest one that happened. The craziest one that happened recently is a bunch of police cleared out the area in front of that church for him to take that photo op. And the news reported that they tear gassed the protesters to get them out of the way. And they did this because the protesters were saying, well, there was all this smoke and, you know, my eyes were burning and all this kind of stuff. And so they were like, oh, okay, that's tear gas. And today Trump came out calling fake news on that. Because they did not fire tear gas at those protesters. They fired smoke canisters in so they couldn't see and then unloaded on them with pepper bullets. And that's what caused the burning. So it's a lie. It's a lie that they tear gassed the protesters so he could take that photo. Mm. The truth is far worse than that. <laughs> I didn't know he wants to make sure everyone knows. Now. I did not know that pepper bullets were a thing until oh, they, just yeah. this this particular civil war. They've they've yeah. been around for a while now. They're yeah. basically uh, paintball pellets filled with mace. Oh, that sounds pleasant. Yeah. Oh no, it's it's horrible because that way they can injure you and blind you. No, apparently when the uh, White House went dark, he was down in the bunker 
because they were scared of the protesters. But claims he was just there for a short time because he was inspecting it. Yeah, he's a little bitch. I saw people starting to call him hashtag bunker bitch, which I am perfectly fine. Well, uh, I'm not going to defend him per se, but I will say like it, it's probably not his call. There's probably people who come along and be like, you need to go to the bunker right now, isn't it? Uh, I'm assuming there's people who suggest it, but but I would like to say in American history, Teddy Roosevelt got shot while making a speech, and he finished the speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying, like and then, and then probably unreported, he he just threw some whiskey on it, sewed it up himself, and then moved upon it, moved on with his day, right. And then he invaded a country because he was a warmongering fuck. But yeah. that's besides the point. <laughs> Apparently, all he was American, also he was also all eugenics, American so. Yeah, I was getting ready to say all American uh, presidents are jingoistic fucks. So, so you can't hold that one against him because that's par for the course. Uh, this is fun for me. You guys know that, right? Yeah, I'm sure it's great. Son of a bitch. I take, I take goddamn health care. I take entirely too much joy in other people's suffering. I was told this earlier today, actually, because a friend of mine called because she had woken up in the middle of the night and wasn't sure what was wrong. And then when she went back to bed and when she woke up, her TV had been disconnected and was sitting on the floor. So she thinks somebody was breaking into her house and ran off because she woke up. So she called to tell me this and she was like all scared. And I thought it was hilarious. And because <laughs> I'm like, stealing a TV is really not a good crime in 2020. That's what came to my mind. I'm like, this was just methods who didn't know any better. Does she have a Does she have a cat? Because there's a chance that her TV, that her cat knocked a TV off whatever stand it was on and it pulled the cords out. And no, the cord, no, the TV was like standing up on the ground. Like they were able to pick it up, put it back on the uh, stand, plug it back in. So it had, had uh, been well, intentionally. I was going to say, well, then, no, she had some creepo in her house. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. But that's fucked up. I, I found it funny. You guys are more concerned than I am. <laughs> I know this person. I know. That's the terrifying part. Don't, don't give shits about people being in your house, stealing your well, shit. They didn't steal it. They ended up leaving it there. It's all fine. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's, just, it's just attempted thievery. As soon as it's over, if there are no real negative consequences, then it's allowed to just be funny. Except for your country's problems. Those are just funny as they're ongoing. Oh, and oh my God. Still... Yeah, you should try the it. Thing you is... should try living down here. See, see how fun it is. Well, I forget what movie we were talking about the other day when I pointed out that problems never get solved and we should all give up hope. Do you guys remember that discussion? No. It turns out that right. sounds right. It, it turns out I was, I was right because... It's like these issues have been going on forever and they're just not going to be addressed. And guess what? This is all going to come to an end and nothing's going to change. So we shall give up hope. Just what happens. Actually, so people are going to send us hate mail for me saying something like this. But (laughs) historically speaking, generally, once the fires and endless riots start in America – that's when actual change happens and things get mildly better for a period of time afterwards. Generally speaking. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
generally. Because, like, <laughs> isn't this, like, the third time you guys have had this type of uprising, like, in our lifetimes? In, well, this... yeah, but they were they were a lot smaller than this. Like, when Ferguson happened, Ferguson protests were across, you know, several states and stuff. But, like, there are fucking looters and protests in Decatur fucking Illinois right now. <laughs> <laughs> that did not happen when Ferguson happened. Everybody was like, "Oh, that's so removed. Who cares?" Yeah. It just seemed a lot like it's a lot more widespread than it has ever been. A lot more widespread, and it hasn't died down after you know. Usually, after a couple of days, it starts to go away, and instead, I feel like it might be upping. Well, Ex- especially since the last time it happened, they were smart enough to not. Uh, absolutely send the police in to destroy members of the media and innocent people. Mm-hmm. And so this time they did, which once again, historically speaking, when you unleash the cops on the protesters, that's when the riots get really, really bad because people don't like getting attacked by <laughs> police officers. All right. yeah. you guys keep, keep your optimism about you and see where that gets you. Yeah, and then like he said, usually, usually it's not uh, followed by, oh, look, they're part of the media. Let's just start firing rubber bullets at them. Or, right. hey, they're, they're medical personnel. Let's start firing rubber bullets at them, too. I mean, the last, the last thing I saw about the medical people, they didn't just fire at them. They went in, fired on them, cleared out the medical tent, and then took pocket knives and cut all the bottles of water and stuff so that they couldn't yeah. help any more people. Yeah. Or you yeah. don't want to be helping people. There's pictures. Just, it's great. I don't, I don't know. I just, that's, everything's terrifying right now. <laughs> My favorite is the crowd control where you have a line of cops on one end of the street yelling people to go one way and a line of cops on the uh, other end of the street telling them to go the opposite way. And then because they're not listening, you get to fire tear gas at them. Yeah. Yeah, they have That's lots fun. of uh, bullshit excuses for opening fire on people. It's great. Yeah, they did all sorts of Chicago. They set a uh, curfew and then they closed all the bridges except for two and didn't really tell anybody that they shut down all the bridges. Yeah. So when the crowds tried to disperse, they couldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and then they were past curfew so they could be arrested. Oh, and then we also have the situation. <laughs> Where it's almost been unequivocally proven that you also have undercover cops that go in and actually start busting stuff up to encourage rioters to uh, to start destroying stuff so they can use even more force. It's no bueno. Can we talk about movies? Uh, it's almost like if we had a way to replace all these people with much more docile people. Oh, well done, sir. Yeah. Uh, so, oh uh, you know, you know what the fucked up part about that joke is? What? I'm like, oh man, I would so fucking, <laughs> if I found out we were being replaced with pod people and they were like, yeah, if you go to sleep, you're going to be a pod person and you're not going to be able to feel anything. I'd be like, oh, sweet sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd have his blanket and his pillow and his... <laughs> Just a, you'd see me curled up in a snuggie in the middle of my front yard, just trying to pass out. Be like, I ain't even walk into the bedroom. Just popping melatonin. Yeah. Just like, I gotta go, I gotta go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, 
Well, Noah, since you're so enchanted with this idea, why don't you tell us about the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Uh, a doctor gets called back to his office while he's out on vacation due to increased calls. Uh, but whenever he gets there, of course, something mysterious is going on because all these people who are insisting they needed to see the doctor are now canceling their their things. Uh, quickly, we find out that there is some kind of a mass hysteria going on where people are claiming members of their family are not them, even though they have all their memories and mostly behave like them. Uh, cut forward, we find out people are being replaced with uh, Peapod people plant people and uh a the doctor and his his uh on and off again lady friend attempt to not to become plant people yeah yeah the lady friends situation i thought was hilarious where it's just like well they're not together but they immediately just kiss all the time and don't shy away from maybe insinuating that they just spend the night at each other's houses I was getting ready to say, did you find that interesting for a movie made when this was that they yeah. seemed to have a casual sexual relationship? Yeah, yeah. it was it for a 50s away. movie. They were like just constantly just like because it was literally like they met up and then they both are like, yeah, it's been like five years since we saw each other. And they're both like, I'm divorced now. Are you divorced now? And it's like, yep. So then, so then we could bang, right? Like that's pretty much how that goes. They use fifties terminology, but that's what it means. And it's like, well, that's look at that. I'm just gonna say one of the other weird things is he says, you know, he, there's the whole setup in the line of this is how I know it's you, and he kisses her, mm-hmm. and it's like, wait, didn't they insinuate that it was fairly recent that their spouses died? <laughs> So are they insinuating these two were also fucking around behind their husband and wife? No, oh, the idea the idea is that they were college sweethearts who then separated, both got married, and are both now divorced and have just come back together. It's the first time they've been in the same town together for a long time. They are awfully familiar with each other for people who are not supposed to have seen each other in five years. Especially in the fifties where you can't really keep up with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was crazy because it's literally Cause the, just yeah. they're doing something cut to the next morning and, you know, he's walking into the kitchen, rolling up his sleeves like he just put his shirt on and she's making breakfast. And it's just like, uh, what? Yeah, they were fucking. <laughs> they just weren't allowed to show it back then. But and then we think... find out we find out her dad was home while it was going on. I'm just like, shit, they just didn't give a shit in this town, apparently. Well, it was literally, too, like, it was only, like, a few minutes after they realized they were both single again that they started making the comments to each other. It was like, there was not even a feeling out period of, like, I don't know, I wonder if that's an interesting thing that we're both single. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, there was no build up, just right into it. Yeah, but again, I think that's, that has to do with the nature of the filmmaking of the era. Mm-hmm. I think it's everything is a little bit more exaggerated. The acting style is more exaggerated. Sure. Things like that are just like, hey, look, we wrote in these scenarios to get these two to be a couple because every movie has to have a couple. <laughs> so spew out the dialogue, make sure that the audience understands what's going on. It's fine. They're both single. We're going to go now. Yeah. 
I just thought it was crazy. Like for 1958, it would just seem like they would have been a lot more conservative in their storytelling, but apparently not. Uh, so one of the things I loved about this is the first time watch for me. Um, I've seen like the seventies one, but I've never seen this one before. Uh, just when stuff starts unfolding, just the sense of dread and everything, like he's being called to houses and there's these weird dead bodies. And then he like hears shit like down in like someone's basement. And it's just like, fuck, like I was surprised how well it worked. Yeah, I actually agree with you. It was the the tension was really yeah. strong, and it kept building. Whatever, like, and you'd think it'd be ridiculous. Oh, we found this body, but it it kind of looks like you, but if you had no wrinkles and had you know hadn't aged yet, and then they fingerprinted, and there's no fingerprints, and you're like, this stuff seems ridiculous, but it's really working. Yeah, I I, I really got into it. I, I had seen it before. For some reason, I forgot uh, Kevin McCarthy is the lead in this. I don't oh, know really? why. Yeah, because you'd think I would remember it because the scene, the not the very end scene, but toward the end, whenever, when he's standing in the middle of the street dodging cars and screaming, you're next. That's kind yeah. of a like. Yeah. One of those things that sticks in your head forever. It's been aped in a lot of other movies. And just because he's like literally grabs the camera and screams into it, you're next, right at the audience. <laughs> Which I, I did find a, a bit cheesy, but, you know. It yeah, was, but in again, the, the era. Yeah, yeah, 50s. Uh, did you guys, it, it's always weird to see her and other stuff, but you, how did you guys feel about Blonde Morticia? Oh, I didn't even notice it was her. Oh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even recognize Te- Teddy, the, the friend's wife, that's, yeah. that's Morticia Adams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. Completely did not even notice. I'm really not up to date on my 50s actors. So, like, when you guys are like, it's Kevin McCarthy in this, I'm like, I, I know that because it's on the posters, but I don't know who that is. Like, bad guy from UHF. <laughs> his, oh, shit. I was getting yeah. ready to say his long and storied career, that's what he is to me. Yeah. He's always going to be bad guy from UHF. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I know him. I just only know him as an old man because that's. Yeah. You don't recognize okay. him without gray hair. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. No, it, it, and now that you've said it, I can totally picture it. Yeah. Uh, the great thing is we're going to see him again next week. So, Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, if anybody hasn't seen the 70s one for a while, he has a little cameo. Okay, I haven't seen the 70s one in a very long time. Yeah. I have uh, also not watched it in a while, and man, I used to fucking really love it, so I hope it's still as good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I caught, like... 10 minutes of it the other night and wanted to sit and watch it all. But I'm just like, no, you know what? We're going to do it on the podcast. That's what I decided. We're doing, we're doing body snatcher month. So that I can sit down and watch it. I I was going to say one of the interesting things. So I, I had seen this before and I don't recall particularly being into it, but man, I really, really had a good time watching it this time. Hmm. And I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's because it's one of those uh, themes that just hits you in the right spot every once in a while. That the the play on uh, what two two separate but equal fears: the fear that the the people around you are going to be taken away, and then the the other fear of uh, having your identity stolen from you. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought they did a really good job. Like, we're going to talk about 
this sort of, I guess, in the next movie, too. That this is like a small town where, like, everybody knows everybody. And I feel like they did a really good job of making that believable. Maybe having yeah. him as the town doctor helped with that, where everybody just knew who he was because he sees everybody in town. Um I was going to say the point in which somebody calls him while they're out at the restaurant and they just yeah. got there. <laughs> that was a bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because, you know, in those small towns with the way those switchboards used to work, they would have just called somebody and they'd be like, do you know where the doctor is? And they're like, yeah, I just like pull it across the street. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I feel like they did a great job of sort of setting that up and, uh, so that's, yeah, when the turn starts coming and people start not acting like themselves, it definitely plays into the eeriness. And I think this movie did a fantastic job. Like we said, sort of ratcheting up that tension since, you know, oh, he knows everybody. He knows people are okay, but suddenly they're not okay. Yeah, I think the other reason that helped was because then they sort of had it be people closer and closer to him mm-hmm. that were being taken and you can it sort of just it had that I don't know what you call it like a re- reverse concerto effect of like everything just getting smaller and smaller and smaller mm-hmm. and he just kept feeling more and more confined and uh, when it's finally his buddy that comes to him in the office mm-hmm. and it's like oh they got him like that that pretty much implies they've got everybody now by the time they get to him I think that the filmmaking was really well done, really helped make that feel really tense. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's three or four moments in this movie that are, uh, like top notch fucking movie moments. Whenever he, Run them down. so what, well, so when they find the four pod people in the greenhouse, yeah. And, uh, it's just him and the chick and he goes out there with the pitchfork to destroy them. And the first one is her. And he has that moment where he goes to stab it and he can't because it looks like her. That's that's a fucking great moment. And whenever he actually stabs the friends <laughs> double, that's kind of intense for a 50s movie because I actually show that pitchfork hit. I was like, "Whoa, that was brutal. Yeah, the uh, effect was a little cheesy, but it, the shot was really well done. Right, right, right. Uh and oh man, whenever he comes back to the cave to find out that she's been replaced, it's pretty uh, yeah. gut punchy. Yeah, I did like this video thing like years ago for another project, and I met Tommy Lee Wallace at a um, convention, and I asked him what his favorite horror movie scene was, and that's the scene he picked when he has that realization that she's been changed. This is such a good scene. Um, also, the town of Santa Mira is also the town setting that he, uh, Tommy Lee Wallace, used in Halloween 3, Doug's favorite Halloween movie. That's unfortunate. (laughs) Oh, I didn't do great a film like this by connecting it to Halloween 3, but anyways. (laughs) What were the other moments you were thinking of, Noah? I'm trying to think. Like I said, the the screaming in the street, you're next, is a pretty big one, too. Yeah, because the, the one I really liked was the moment where they look out the window from the doctor's office after they've been keeping themselves awake all night, 
and the whole town is like gathering together and we find out after a couple of minutes that they're actually being assigned like towns to take their pods to and that that shot of like the whole town kind of just walking all simultaneously with no expressions on their faces towards that town square i thought that was really cool yeah and not just not just towns to take it to but they're being assigned by where they have family to go replace that is i don't know there's something so fucking dark about that concept yeah it's fucked god damn it this is a good movie it is, and I'm kind of bummed I've never seen it before. I think of all the Body Snatcher films that this and then the newest one, or the two I haven't seen, I've seen all the middle ones. <sighs> what is the newest one? The, is that the 90s one? No, like the Nicole Kidman one or something? Is that right? Yeah, the Invasion. It's on our uh, list. Oh. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. We'll, yeah. we'll all have seen it in four weeks. Yeah. I uh, don't remember hearing great things about it, but I was interested to learn that it was a remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. Sort did, of. You have any favorite, did you have any favorite moments in this one, Brian? Because it's fun um, to just go through the favorite moments in this yeah. movie. We've kind of counted them all down, but I think the shot of him where he's at home for some reason, like they're not fucking or something and he's just at home and he realizes something's wrong and he runs over and then breaks into their basement and finds another clone of her like in their deep freezer yeah. i was like that's kind of fucked up just the way they shot it it's nice and dark and then you open up like the top and it's just like oh fuck then of course runs to get the police and then comes back and it's like wham wham maybe this is a uh an artifact of of the film being from the 50s and you know and back then everyone was different but there's a whole lot of people going into other people's fucking houses without announcing themselves (laughs) right in this movie and i'm like man in small town america today if you were just the the gas guy and you just walked into somebody's house and went down in their basement and started fucking with stuff you were getting shotgunned you were getting shotgunned to the face Mm mm-hmm yeah, none of that bullshit no more. <laughs> you're banging around in your basement. You're like, who's out there? And it's like, well, it's just me, the gas guy. It's just it's just me, gas guy Larry. You know <laughs> gas guy Larry. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's fucked I up. I was say, but it, it happens multiple times. Whenever they go back to the house uh, with the friend to find that clone in the basement again, and that like cop just shows up, and he's like, hey, I'm in the house, too. Like, it's like, what in the fuck? <laughs> the cop just sticks his head through the, the window with his gun already drawn, like, what, what are you guys doing down here? <laughs> it's like, and then when they're talking about like stuff, he's is, just yeah. like, nah, break it up. Let's go. Everybody go home. I, I feel like that is more a product of filmmaking of the time than a reflection of society at the time. Oh, I'm sure it was. <laughs> you found a dead funny. body seven hours ago. Why didn't you turn it in? You know better than that. And it's like, that's a, is that the reaction a person would have had in the 50s? <laughs> they, those cops would have fucking shot you. They'd have been like, you found a body and didn't report it. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> He's resisting. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, brought it to a halt. Uh, okay, so I, no, I do have I'm a just trying to think if there's the anything that I'd like to address. Oh, go for it. Because I, I, I still need somebody to explain to me the whole process. So 
the body physically grows in this pod, right? Mm-hmm. And then you fall asleep. And then when you wake up, you've been replaced by the pod. But what? That doesn't make any sense. Because if it's if the body is physically replacing you, they have to come in and kill the first person and put the new body in its place. I think I think you just kind of vanish is the whole thing. You just so the theory is you vanish and then somebody just tosses the pod body in there, or the pod body vanishes and then reappears where you were. How does that work? I I don't know. It, it, yeah, I, they're, I, they're they're pretty vague on the uh, specifics because there there is some. They kind of explain something about it's got to have something to do with while you're asleep, this thing's stealing your memories and stuff. Yeah. And so and so maybe once all your memories are out, you're just kind of a husk. And then they just come in and they're like, fuck this husk and just chuck it down a hill or something. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel it went unexplained because throughout the movie, I was assuming that when the when the pod body was fully developed, that it would come in and either kill you or you'd be done away with in some way. Like maybe the other people would come and drag you off and then you'd be, the new one would take your place. But that's mm-hmm. clearly not what happens. Cause when she falls asleep in the cave, it's just for like a minute. Yeah. And, and he just comes back in. And, and just the way they were talking, like, Oh, I can't fall asleep. And I was thinking like, well, you're both like locked in the doctor's office. Couldn't like one of you take, like take a watch shift and one of you get some sleep and the other one, but they make it seem like if you fall asleep at all, like you're fucked. Yeah. So the so I guess what we're kind of saying is it doesn't make any sense, despite the fact that this is a very well made movie. The primary plot doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but kind of overlook it, I guess. <laughs> it's the fifties. Yeah, and I guess like yeah, I mean that's yeah. what it comes down to. I was getting ready to say, arguably, this is a clean-ass plot for the 50s. <laughs> Noah thinks a lot of stuff is clean-ass this week, apparently. It's clean. Well, it's just interesting seeing two in a row, because my... So, black and white 1950s movies are not my thing. They just aren't. Like, I, they're hokey and... The acting is that weird uh, stage to screen acting that I don't like where everything's overdone and Shakespearean and wooden. And I, I just I've, it, like I said, not my thing. But this was a very well put together movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't feel like the acting was nearly as sort of hokey like you were talking about. Um, I do feel like the next movie has a lot more in it than this one does. But yeah. Yeah, this one had, like, I think the main characters were doing a good acting job. Some of the side characters were doing that 50s stage acting. Mm. Um, but I, I, I definitely don't think Kevin McCarthy, for the most part, was delivering his lines in that 50s style. He was very much, he was emoting and he, he not trying to reach the back row kind of thing. Mm. So, yeah. Overall, I like I love this movie. But putting aside a couple of like the really cheesy '50s moments, like that one kiss scene in the doctor's office, and a couple other things <laughs> where you're just like, "Oh my god, could you just timestamp this anymore?" <laughs> uh, the fact there's like no black people in that town. Yeah, <laughs> just, 
which is good because then we didn't have we don't have to sit here and justify the racism that would have happened if there had. <laughs> what like people? The it's, people obvi- it's obviously this guy's fault. Let's chase him out of town. They wouldn't have even let him become a pod person. They were like, no. Well, the same pod I, counter as the rest of us. I I was gonna say I've I've heard a lot of uh, over the years uh, deep delve. Um, I don't know why my my mind is not working, but essays about body snatcher movies and how they're all essentially just uh, metaphors for racism. You know, yeah. white people being afraid of being replaced. See, I'd always thought of this one more as like a talk about communism and the McCarthy hearings. Oh, I think that's true. But yeah, yeah I, I think, see your point. I think this. I think this is McCarthy, and then I think the '70s version is a little bit more uh, suburbia being replaced by mm-hmm. the others. True. Sure. Yeah. See, I hadn't put that level of thought into it, um, mm. which I should. Normally, I do. Uh, like, I, I think my instincts would be to lean towards the McCarthyism with this one as well. Which is funny because remember when we did the Blob, and the Blob is the one that has the reputation of being all about communism invading. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, but obviously, it's not about that. It's just about a giant monster from space. And this one here, which is like Jello mold. Yeah. <laughs> But then this one is does seem to be more about that when you when you stop and think and you turn a process and you go yeah like this is kind of yeah. being infiltrated in a way where people have changed but they're they're still the same but they're a little different. You think you know your neighbors? You don't know your neighbors. Yeah, this is now making me feel a little worse about the film because it's not like <laughs> this pro McCarthy propaganda piece really is what it turns out to be. Yeah, well, I guess a little bit. I don't know. What, I, I guess the other question is, how do you guys feel this movie ended? Because um, obviously they're in there. You get the, the quote-unquote happy ending where the mm-hmm. um, he's been in that mental institution the whole time, and now they're like, oh, they find out it's true that he what he's been saying is true. Do you think they're able to stop the infestation or... Uh, like it's open ended. Me looking at it in 2020, I think it's very ambiguous. I think at the time they're like, "Well, this is close enough to a happy ending." We told the government, and the government will take care of it. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a good point. I guess this was a, a the 50s way of tying things up. It yeah. wouldn't have been ambiguous to them. Yeah, because I thought it was pretty ambiguous, and I thought that was kind of for them at the time well so. and, and arguably the story is the story of this one guy and the second other people believe him that story's over yeah it's true but I was just curious whether because there's no real discussion of how are we going to stop this now that okay now everyone knows <laughs> like, I, I made it to town square and I made sure everybody knew the communists were meeting and I guess the cops are just going to go in there and bust that meeting up. I don't know. I was going to say in the, the 70s nihilistic uh, version that doesn't quite actually exist, this movie would have ended with pod people storming the building and killing seven people, and then it just cuts off in the middle of a fight, and it's over. <laughs> I'd love that ending. <laughs> 
I love I love me some seventy sci fi, but god damn it, they fucking they hated ending a movie. They were like, No, no. it's done. We have, hit, we have hit the specified number of minutes. We've told our story. Now we're just gonna make you all feel a little worse about the world and send you on your way. You don't need to know how every character's wrapped up. Guess what? The girlfriends are robot. Fuck you. Um, spoilers for when we get to that movie but um. well I mean I don't know does anybody else have anything else to say about body snatchers first time watch for me yeah I loved it I just thought I need, need to pick it up in some form for my physical movie collection yeah I said I, I, it's probably one of the best 50s movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And by 50s movies, I mean it still has that 50s aesthetic to it, but it's a really well-made film. The acting is above what you expect for the period. The production values are fantastic. Yeah, that it has that cheese to it that comes with being from the era, but it's really, really well done. Yeah. And they, and they my... insinuate people fucking all over the place. Right. Yeah. I don't think the 50s was as, like, I don't know, clean cut conservative as people like to think it was. I know, but you weren't supposed to say that on screen. Because whenever you do it, like, when you, every, like, every movie you watch from that era has, like, divorced people in it and all that kind of stuff. They just pretend it didn't, right? (laughs) Like, think about Psycho, which was only a couple years after this. This character's fucking all over the place in that movie. That's true. I don't know that many movies from the era, so I'm just referencing like really well known <laughs> ones. I feel like this this movie is the exactly the halfway point between a universal monster movie and a hammer film. <laughs> like, there's people fucking, but it's still clean. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they, they go upstairs to the bedroom and it's not be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, they're not like knocking the kitchen table over or something. <laughs> Uh, Doug, well, since you were curious how the government would handle some sort of infestation of some sort, uh, why don't you tell us about War of the Worlds? Uh, War of the Worlds, let's see. It's revealed in the opening dialogue that Martians have been monitoring Earth because their planet sucks and they need somewhere to go, and all the other planets are not good for them. Uh, I don't know why we had to go through all of the other planets. (laughs) <laughs> but they, I think they did go through them all as to why the other planets are not good. Um, so the Martians send uh, spaceships down, which are in, uh, what do you call it, like inside meteors that crash to Earth mm-hmm. and kind of come up and they link up and they basically blast the shit out of everything and they're completely indestructible to most normal weapons. And we follow it as this one town is basically being wiped out. And then we find out that it's happening all over the world. It's basically Independence Day, but in the 50s. I was going to say, yeah. I blew my mind watching this, realizing how much Independence Day is just a remake of this movie. (laughs) But no Will Smith. Except, Except Independence Day robs the story of the best part of the story. The bacteria? And, and that's, no, in this oh. situation, the idea is that the human characters have no ability to affect what is happening to them. They just do not. 
like it does even you know they get to the point where they fucking nuke the aliens and shit but it doesn't do jack shit you have nothing they will fucking end you you know what i mean and so instead the story isn't about the human resistance against the aliens it's about the story of of this guy and this girl's existence in this hellscape yeah which is a story arguably yeah and and it it does become very much like the analogy is almost of like an invading force that doesn't bother to take into consideration the physical aspects of living in this new colony that it's taking over like yeah you can come in and you can forcibly wipe wipe everything else out that doesn't mean you're going to be successful living there is basically the message of the film that i get and i think that that's which is it's a little bit ironic because when you think about this film being set in North America and in North America kind of the opposite thing happened where they you know, brought diseases and the only reason they were able to wipe out the existing peoples was because the diseases killed off the existing people. <laughs> um, but, you know, but still, it is kind of a positive message <laughs> that you shouldn't invade places because you might catch diseases. So, yes, that's technically so a you think, message. do you think they're like, see, these diseases were good. It's a good thing we brought them from Europe. You're welcome, America. I don't I think don't. it's quite like that. I don't think it was that well thought out, to be totally honest. I, I will tell you what I did not like about that ending in this version versus other versions. I don't like the fact that in this one, they kind of do God did it at the end. They're like, yeah. no, oh, that's yeah. why That's why God made these terrible diseases, to stop the aliens in the future. And it's like, no. That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> like, I hate you. I hate you and I hate this ending. I like the sciencey version where it's like, yeah, they just they're not immune to our horrible plagues of diseases that we've been spreading across the earth for <laughs> But I think they're kind of the same thing, just being said in a different era. I think people back then would attribute science to God, which we don't do nowadays generally speaking well we don't attribute science to pretty much anything anymore yeah well and that is the one thing i liked about this movie is like the heroes are the scientists and the soldiers are completely useless basically throughout the whole movie which i thought was kind of an interesting twist because normally you expect the you know the scientist guys are like helping out and then they turn around and the soldier guys are the ones that do all the big work that's the independence day ending right um in this one, they are. Just, it is just the scientists who are starting to figure shit out, and everybody else is pretty much useless. What are the funniest? I was going to say one of the funniest things in this version is they kind of insinuate that had uh, had their convoy not been assaulted by all those random fucking dudes that are rioting and stealing stuff during the end of the world, that's not realistic. <laughs> um, <laughs> But one of the scientists who is like the uh, the biologist is like, we can't beat the machines, but maybe we could beat them. I need to look more into their biology. And that's almost hinting at, you know what? He's on the right track because if he would have bioweaponed it up, could have fucked their lives up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I think even though the scientists don't really get credit for the win in the end with the way the story unfolds, I think that they basically – they're the ones that are figuring things out and they're the ones that kind of 
from a storyline perspective, shift the focus away from trying to blow these things up to, I wonder what else could stop them. And I thought that was pretty interesting. The answer was COVID all along. (laughs) (sighs) Um, The funny thing is I watched this one first and I've seen this one before. Uh, although I did, I barely remembered any of it. Um, and I, re- I enjoyed it. And then I watched Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And now that we're comparing the two, I think I like this one less. It's still good, but I feel like it's just like, oh, shit. Invasion of the Body Snatchers really showed this movie up. I was going to say, you got to give this movie one thing. This is a beautiful beautiful movie man i watched that cleaned up remastered version of it Mm -hmm. and damn it the special effects are good for for when this was made and they're actually kind of intimidating in in the obviously they don't do tripods in this version they do the little flying saucer things Mm -hmm. but the uh those flying saucers if you put that in a modern day movie i would still go oh man yeah that's pretty cool yeah. The one that blew my mind is the like the force fields that they created, or magnetic fields, or whatever they called them. Mm-hmm. That you could kind of see that they were surrounded by something, but not really that weird translucent thing. And I'm like, that looks fantastic. Like that looks like what they would do in a movie today. And they did it using 50s technology. I was really impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything looks really good. The color is really good. That's when you know. Movies were still excited about shooting in color. It was a really big right. deal. It's like on the movie poster. If you if you look at the posters for it, it says in Technicolor. Well, I looked I looked it up because I was thinking, you know what? I bet this was a super high budget movie for for when they made it because just because how good everything looks. And I looked it up, and it cost two million dollars to make it. But the average movie in the fifties was like one point five mil. So. It was only slightly higher, you know what I mean, than mm-hmm. the average, which means it wasn't even a high budget movie. It's just a well, well thought out. Like I said, everything it's. Well, a lot of stuff is done with miniatures, but I think you don't even realize it until you get more of the wider shots with billings and stuff in the frame with the spaceships. Yeah. Like, well, there are the, times where the, the miniatures are obvious, but it's like, so what? I mean, it's for the era. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, the the thing I always call it, so 1950s science fiction stuff is typically plastic and plaster. Everything looks like it's mm. uh, repurposed parts from like a fucking automat or something. They're like, hey, a plastic shield. This looks futury. <laughs> And in this one, everything, you know, looks – I don't – real's the wrong word, but yeah, convinc- convincing is probably looks, a better word. It looks, looks functional. Yeah, it's metal and it's glowy and it's mm. – you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I don't think there's a single moment in this film where the action is taking place where it suffers from the era it was made in. I think it – every action or like – you know, big special effects scene really works. Yeah. Based on and, and how good the effects and everything are done, and that's saying something for movies of this era. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's it's grim as fuck too. 
in a few parts. I mean, I mean, like the first time they come across those those three dudes that got vaporized in their basically. Yeah human shaped piles of ashes <laughs> yeah and, and then you watch and then the priest gets fried in front of his niece and <laughs> the fucking priest Stark. Who, who she says is like her dad and he's like you know what this guy you met like two hours ago he seems like a nice guy i'm sure he'll take care of you so long i'm gonna go walk in front of this laser beam it's like what the fuck well he was trying to he's doing the whole <laughs> i know it's just trying to communicate thing it's just funny. If he wouldn't have said anything about how this guy she met was a nice guy, I, I probably wouldn't have even really thought about it that much. They'd already been to a square dance together there. That's true. Pretty, pretty much did it on the dance floor. The, square dancing competitions. The relationship is a very 50s relationship in this movie. Yeah. All, a lot of the human elements in this movie feel like they're straight out of the 50s, more so than the other movie did. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other movie was like maybe when you get to like some of the more actiony scenes felt fifties, but the human stuff was all really well done. This movie's yeah. kind of the opposite, where the action is all really well done. The human stuff is very fifties. It's that yeah. surface level. Oh, the the guy happens to be fishing right nearby, and then he comes down here and he meets a girl who happens to know who he is based on articles she's read of his. <laughs> but isn't he more handsome in person? Yep. Okay, good. We all know where this is headed. That's fine. <laughs> and this this movie wasn't like Technicolor, was it? It said Technicolor on the poster that I downloaded so I could upload to Instagram that I was watching this. But possibly. I, I I just thought the weirdest the weirdest thing, so uh, some of the skin tones look wrong in some of the scenes. And that's usually a uh, Technicolor flaw cuz painting that is really really hard but everything else looks so fucking good i i have a hard, i had a hard time figuring it out in my brain if it was or not i don't know that's yes. like i said i saw it on one poster so um so i didn't look it up but uh war of the worlds obviously is famous for the uh um uh, the fuck's his name Orson Welles? The Orson Welles radio production. Right. Um, do we feel like the news guy that is randomly there for a little while was sort of a nod to that? Yeah, that makes sense. He's sort of just narrating into a microphone of what's happening. And then his microphone gets cut off, which I thought was very funny, actually. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that makes sense that that would be a little tribute to that. Again, having no connection to the source material. And- yeah heard the radio play like it's hard for me to know well here we go i just looked up the imdb page and the very first trivia thing that pops up is is an homage to orson wells and his famous war of the world's radio broadcast uh radio voice specialist paul freeze appears on screen as a radio reporter and does his infamous orson wells vocal impression yeah there you go The worst. Yeah, it's the worst because the book is H.G. Wells, and then the guy's Orson Wells, and that will never endingly fuck my brain up every time I try to pull <laughs> those names out. Well, this one of your problems is normal now. You're supposed to be confused by that. They did it on purpose. <laughs> okay. Uh, and there we are. Um, one of the things says that the estate of H.G. Wells was so happy with this movie, they offered george powell his choice of any other wells properties and he chose the time machine it was a good call 
Yeah. Uh, Martian War Machines had about 20 wires running to each one. Some were for suspension and maneuvering, while others carried power to the various lights and mechanisms. Uh, and this was produced before there were lightweight circuits and sophisticated radio controls. Uh, wires is not what I would have guessed the, what they used for this. No, it didn't look like wires to me. Mm-hmm. Again, I never really thought about how they did that, though. Because it's not like they didn't even have like, green screen technology back then. Yeah, I was. I I just kind of assumed they were on stands that were angled in such a way that the camera hit it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, if it, really, I got sucked into the movie as I was watching it. I didn't stop to think about things like that. Like I say, a few times you really notice the the um, miniatures, but that's not yeah. ridiculous. And uh, most of the time, I wasn't thinking about it. I was just blown away. Uh, kind of sad, but none of the original Martian war machines exist today. They were made out of copper, and after production, they were reportedly donated to a Boy Scout copper drive. Oh, Jesus. Well, that was a fucking mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They should have kept one. Right? Just something somebody put in their office or something? You would have thought that would be a thing, but I guess not. Uh, and this says the film film had a budget of two million dollars, and six hundred thousand of it was spent on the live action scenes, while the other one million four hundred was spent on the extensive and elaborate special effects, which makes sense. Believable, yeah. And you can it, the movie feels that right. You feel like the special effects are why we're watching it, mm-hmm. which is a good decision overall. I do feel like, though, it was a reasonably well-made film. I think some of the dialogue was really good. Um, I thought I was surprised at how technical some of the science dialogue was for a film of this era. Um, Yeah, that's what uh, we were sort of talking about last last, uh, movie when it ended. You were like, oh, we don't know what the government's going to do, so I guess it's just over. Yeah. Is this one they kind of get into specifics of like, well, let's try this and other yeah. technical jargon and blah 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 scientific stuff. Yeah, because even when they're describing like the machines and they're like, well, they're not flying; they're using like magnetic force to keep themselves up off the ground and all that. You're like, it feels like the '50s movie. The thing to do would just be like, they are flying, and that is it. We don't need to think about it any further. <laughs> but they obviously put more thought into the dialogue than that. Um, the other thing I thought they did really well using dialogue was even though this movie takes place predominantly at least the first half in that one like town, yeah. it was genius the way they would like they brought in characters from other countries and then they would just use the dialogue to make sure like it felt a lot bigger. Like they they kept letting us know that the same thing is happening all over the world kind of thing, and yeah. they didn't relent on that, so it became really obvious. Like it. it, it in a weird way, it's like even though the film has a very like small scope, they're letting us know that this is just a microcosm of what's going on everywhere else as well. I was going to yeah. say, I like that. I like the I like the little uh, mid movie break where they're talking about England and England develops this great idea of scrambling these super lightweight uh, jets that can move like a motherfucker to kind of like scramble these alien ships and cause them problems. And they're like, and it worked so well. 
which pissed the aliens off. <laughs> <laughs> and they destroyed London. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's an interesting segue. The whole the whole thing was interesting too. Whenever they show like the level of destruction that was going on, but then they'd always cut back to like certain places. Like when they go to that one campus, and it's it's still basically functioning as society, even though we know devastation is coming. And I thought that was really interesting and a little bit funny because they're like, eh, are people still going to class at the university? If uh, two towns over, aliens have destroyed the entire city and are on their <laughs> way here. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like I would probably stop going. I'd be like, well, that's something I don't need to do anymore. I don't think I'm going to get a tardy slip. But I guess, uh, I guess it was uh, the fifties, so you just like you don't hear shit for like another couple weeks, maybe. It's until it, somebody writes it in the paper and puts it in one of those old time yeah. machines where you have to line up every letter and then press oh. it. Yeah. So. Had, had the, the little boy on the street corner and like extra extra aliens killing everybody yeah anyways uh, so was this the first time watched for both of you for me it was yeah. I, th- I think I've seen bits and pieces of it before but I don't think I've ever sat down and actually watched it yeah yeah, uh, the uh, spaceships are iconic, of course. If you've never seen the movie, you've seen the spaceships somewhere. Yeah. Um, did you guys ever see the Spielberg remake? The Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah, I watched that once. It's, it's not good. Really? I remember enjoying it, but thinking the stuff where the sun wants to run off and, I don't know, die, apparently. Was kind that was of stuff I just... It, I, I remember that being my problem with the film. The whole the whole concept of making the main character an unlikable bastard and then immediately going, now you should feel sorry for him because he's got to deal with his kids and stuff. And it's like, well, no, he's a piece of shit. I don't care. Hope he fucking dies. His kids would be better off. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I don't just, know. Just I just only saw it once. So. Yeah. I remember enjoying the scene where the the eye kind of comes in, and they, it's in this movie as well. It's a it's a direct, yeah. rip, but it's uh, coming in and like looking around for them. That eye on the end of like a big hose or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was cool. I thought it was cool in both versions of the movie. Mm. Uh, do either one of you remember the War of the Worlds TV show from the 80s? I do. I remember, I, I remember that it existed, but I don't remember. I don't know if I ever watched it. I think my stepmom watched it, which is how I even knew it existed. So for those that don't know, it was a sequel series. So apparently the original movie happened. And then in the 80s... I think all of the uh, the bodies or something of the aliens were like uh, taken by the government, and I think they stored them like in vats of like bacteria or something to keep them docile or whatever. And then, of course, they start waking up and trying to take over the world again. I don't know. It was an eighties uh, um, syndicated series, so probably wasn't all that great. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I don't remember it. Yeah. 
you guys remember the? Uh, I think it's an asylum version of this that started yeah. with JPC. Or... I don't know. I don't watch asylum stuff. Fuck them. Uh, but I think was it the BBC just did a, like a little mini series? Yeah, I've heard yeah. mixed things about it. Yeah, twenty nineteen. Gabriel Byrne. Hmm. Might be worth checking out. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it is kind of a timeless story. Like no matter how far yeah. you advance it. It's actually kind of funny when you, because when you see this and you see Independence Day, which are the two best known versions of this story, and I hope Independence Day paid them money for using this story. <laughs> um, but it's like they're very similar, and then you, the technology is even, in some ways, very like they they resort to the nuking, and then it doesn't work, and then they have to find another way to go around it. And, rely on the scientists it's very interesting to see how not that much changed from the 50s well, to the 90s this one bacteria one but in independence day it was a virus yeah i remember how clever it was when he said when, when jeff goldman was like i'm gonna i'm gonna give them a cold what you can even like it no i'm gonna give them a virus like a computer virus everybody's like oh everyone was shocked by it <laughs> And you're like, oh, who knew that Macs were compatible with alien technology? Well, they are if they pay for the uh, product placement. You guys remember when they made an Independence Day 2? Shut up, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they should have known better when Will Smith said he wasn't going to come back. They I, I just haven't like, seen it. Was it bad? It was uh, terrible. It's, yeah... It, I would say it's not worth watching. See, maybe that's the type of movie that if you were going to make a sequel, you do that immediately. Yeah. yeah. Not 20 years later. Meh. Uh, well, anything else before we move on? Nope. Uh, no, I'm really happy with the way these two movies went this week. I'm mm-hmm. super glad we picked these. Solid movie. Uh, if you have CBS All Access, both movies are on that. They're also on Popcorn Flicks. Yeah, you can download that app. Uh, in the states, even. I don't know. Because I ended up renting both of them because I couldn't find a good, um, a good place to watch them. Oh, Body Snatchers was on Amazon Prime up here too. Yeah, wasn't my, here. Luckily, my dad pays for CBS All Access for uh, some godforsaken reason. Yeah, you have access to it. Use it. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. So what did everybody watch this week? I didn't watch Jack shit. The end. Really? I I, I very literally, I, I've been so busy with a bunch of stuff with work and I, I, I don't know what's going on, but I feel like somehow all my time's getting eaten up constantly by nothing. And I don't yeah. really get it. I feel that way too. So I yeah, yeah. But I feel like I've watched my two TV shows that I watch. So I watched the new episode of What We Do in the Shadows before I came to record this. 
which I have not watched yet, but I'm sure it's hilarious. It's delightful. <laughs> it has to do with witches. Mm-hmm. And, and fucking, uh, it's, it starts with an appearance from a famous goat. Uh, and yeah, so that's pretty much it. What'd you watch, Doug? I don't have a lot either, actually. Um, <laughs> I might have the most this week. This is crazy. Yeah. I did watch, uh, the new Netflix series Space Force. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Steve Carell. I watched the very first episode. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of show I usually like because it's not like huge like laugh out loud constant big jokes it's mm-hmm. kind of has some drama to it as well i thought normally i can get behind that my biggest complaint about this show is it came out in 2020 and uh <laughs> stuff that stuff that used to be a joke isn't a joke anymore so like there's the easiest example is there's like a scene where steve Carell's daughter meets like this soldier and he wants to impress her by looking smart so he's going to take up reading but then he reads a bunch of websites and develops all these conspiracy theories. But that's not funny. That's just, that probably happened in all of our towns today. Like it's, you know what I mean? And he's spewing off what I think are supposed to be ridiculous conspiracy theories about how the queen of England poisons people with her fingernail and stuff. But I'm thinking just by saying that in the show, you probably convinced a few people that it's real. She does. She does. I've seen it. I've seen it on the news. Yeah. How do you think princess Diana died? So stuff like that is just really problematic. And it's like, you know, that and having watched it, you know, with everything that's going on in the world. And it's like a lot of the jokes are clearly about Trump and about other U S politicians. And it's like, Except it's not that funny because it's causing the world to burn right now. So that was a bit of a problem for me, uh, which is not really the show's fault. Like, I feel like, you know, they were trying to make timely jokes and just got released in the middle of like 2020. If this had come out in 2019, it might have been a lot funnier. Yeah. Was it like when, uh, was it Julia Louis Dreyfus had to apologize for the show Veep because. They thought someone who was very narcissistic and self-centered would be hilarious as a government official in a TV show, and then it happened in real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, like, because there's, like, there's scenes in the show where they find out, okay, so something happens to the satellite that they've launched because they're Space Force, so actually they launched a satellite, right? Sure. And then, that, that was the funniest part of the entire first episode. Which are we talking about? Do what? I, I don't remember what happened in which episode because I, I where it, so. where him and John Malkovich's character are sitting on the porch at the end having that deep conversation, and they yeah. look through the thing, and he goes, "Son of a bitch!" And then John Malkovich runs over, and he looks through, it and he goes, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> <laughs> it's. It's pretty funny. John Malkovich's delivery of every line he gives in this whole show is perfect. He's oh, he's, he's the best part of the entire yeah. But so in the second episode, it's revealed that there's another satellite up there that they didn't know about. And it was basically just sent up to get like cute memes and social media stuff. And it's full of, it has like guns and like 
a chimpanzee wear, wearing a spacesuit and stuff like that in it that just the president thinks is cool. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that would be funny, except it might be happening right now. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's, that's the problem with it all. So now I will tell you guys, this is a minor spoiler, but in the second episode, they, uh, so they have like two different, they're trying to reattach these, um, solar panels to the satellite so they can regain control of it. And the scientists all want to use like, I don't know what, like solar winds or something to gently push the things back towards the satellite until they're physically touching, and once they're physically touching, they'll be able to take control and reattach them permanently and stuff. And Steve Carell's character, being a dumbass, wants to get the monkey from the other satellite to just go over and reattach him. And so the whole the whole episode, they're going back and forth between these two ideas, and it finally gets to the point where the monkey has made it all the way over there. He holds like the the solar wing to the thing he inserts the bolt and he goes to screw it on using a drill but no one gave him the sign to hang on to something so since he's in space when he goes to drill he just starts spinning in a circle and spins off into space and it's it is just laugh out loud hilarious to watch this poor monkey spinning around and go flying off and they're all like was he tethered yeah the, the tether broke he's, he's gone it's just yeah. they're like like well what's gonna happen to him well it should take about a week for him to drift close enough to the sun to just burn up <laughs> they uh one of the other things in the show that was funny and not funny at the same time is of course there's a russian guy on the base with them at all time who's their yeah. liaison who's clearly like blatantly obviously a spy and no one can do anything about it yeah, and and in the first episode, he's in the guy's office going through his computer. Wherever he walks in, and he's like, "I need to see the specs on the new top secret blah blah blah." And he's like, "I am not showing you that." Then he's like, "Oh, check the private phone." And of course, he's got a cell phone that's a direct line to the president, and it's just a tweet that says like, "Show Russian thingy he wants to see." <laughs> See, again, that would be funny. That would have been funny, like, just a couple of years ago. But now it's just like, oh, it, wait, did I turn off the show? Am I watching the news? Oh, no, wait, sorry, it's still a show. Hmm. Well, it's definitely on my list to watch. Just have not had right. time. You can let us know what you think. Well, now I know the monkey yeah. dies, so thanks a lot, Doug. It, well... <laughs> when you watch it, when you watch it, we'll discuss the monkey's fate further. Did you guys watch the uh, SpaceX launch and stuff? No. no, I was I was over at my brother's house with my nieces and nephews, so we all watched it on TV. It's actually pretty fucking cool because they uh, they had an altimeter and uh, a speedometer basically on the screen showing you how fast that rocket is going. And Jesus, it's incomprehensible the speed that gets up to you're like watching it you're like okay that's gotta be the top speed now no (laughs) just keeps going up and up and up and up and then they're like telling you where it is they're like it's over canada right now and you're like it left from florida two minutes ago (laughs) but it was it was super cool and then that night 
because of where we were, you actually in the night sky, you could see the space station go by immediately followed by the the dragon thing. It's just like a little dot. and You could see it chasing the space station. It was pretty cool. See, weirdly enough, I forgot that that had happened. And then I was talking to a buddy of mine and we're he's like, what the hell is that? And something was moving through the sky like it was like weird. We couldn't figure out what it was. And now I'm wondering if I happen to have seen this. And if it was a if it was a solid light moving weirdly fast across the sky, that's the space station. Okay, that's what we saw then. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Yeah, a I lot of people, was... a lot of people have probably seen it. It's just most people think it's a plane for some reason, but it's well, not looking is the big thing. Yeah, we we had like multiple discussions like about why it didn't quite look like a plane. <laughs> but anyways, that's kind of neat. Did you watch anything else, Doug? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I, was uh, gonna, I was gonna see how long it took. <laughs> I was waiting. I'm like, whose turn is it to talk? I think I talked last. Um. I did not watch a lot else. I watched the new season of the Trailer Park Boys uh, animated version, which is just more Trailer Park Boys. So if you guys like that, I recommend it. It, it really doesn't change. Uh, never really watched it. Yeah. But the thing with the Trailer Park Boys is they're, I think, uniquely situated to be in the Netflix world because they can, you know, every like, year or whatever they just put out like a series and you binge it and it's basically the same humor that it was like 15 years ago when it was started but it's still funny and then you binge it once and then in a year they'll drop something else whether it's another animated show or whether it's one of their other like weird out of the park things it'll be the same humor but it'll still be funny I mean it's basically it's always sunny in Philadelphia but Canadian and in a trailer park instead of a restaurant. Yeah. So I think stuff like that works when it's like, here's a bunch of it. All right, move on with your day. More so than if you're trying to watch it week to week. Jokes would come too samey, but... Um, so yeah, there's not much to say about that. People who like it will like it. People who don't already aren't already fans. There's nothing new to attract new fans. Um, that's that is pretty much all I watched. Shit. So normally I'm yeah. the guy that has a bunch, right? But yeah. Um. All right. Well, I watched Jumanji: The Next Level. Okay. Um. I've still never seen the original Jumanji, but I did watch the second one because The Rock was in it and Jack Black and Kevin okay. Hart. And I was happy that I did because I thought it was really funny and a lot of fun. So I was excited to check this one out. Um, half the movie is The Rock just doing a Danny DeVito impression, which if that sounds like something that you definitely want to see, then uh, you should definitely watch it because it's pretty enjoyable. I think I would rather see Danny DeVito doing a rock impression. Well, that'd be pretty great, too. Yeah, get, given the choice, I know that's the one I'd pick. <laughs> Um, and then uh, Kevin Hart doing a Danny Glover impression, and that's pretty fun too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's more of the same. It's just action set piece, action set piece, jokes, joke, jokes, and fun special effects. So don't go in looking for a uh, 
masterpiece or nothing. Just have fun with it and uh, you give it to you get out of it what you want. Yeah, the Rock has his two formulas. There's the funny version and then there's the serious version. This is yep. the funny version. <laughs> funny version always has Kevin Hart in it. Uh, I'm just happy that we live in a world where The Rock and Kevin Hart are like best friends in real life. It's hilarious to see them beside each other. I know that much. Yeah. And just like if you catch them, catch them like doing interviews and shit, just the amount of shit that they give each other is hilarious. The Rock is constantly like roasting him on Instagram where he (laughs) will post about his son, Kevin Hart. And then he'll Photoshop pictures of someone carrying a baby and put Kevin Hart's face over it. It's always, like, fucking hilarious. So I'm just glad I live in that world. Uh, what it does to Kevin Hart's ego. Eh. Um, as long as he keeps being funny, I don't care. Uh, then I watched uh, the animated movie Superman Red Sun. Oh, yeah. Um, I have never read the graphic novel. Uh, it's just one of those that I've always sort of missed. And uh, saw the movie was on sale, picked it up. Um, yeah, enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, for those that have not heard of it, it is an animated movie with the alternate history that instead of landing in Kansas, Superman's uh, spaceship lands in Russia. And he's basically raised to be a giant propaganda machine in Russia through the through the uh, 40s and 50s. And then it goes all the way up through the 80s in this movie. So it's just interesting to see all the different scenarios they put him in. Like, uh, you know, the stuff with uh, Cuba and... Uh, all the other presidents that he's sort of dealt with or whatever, because he ends up sort of running Russia at some point in the movie. So it's just interesting to see this alternate take on Superman and what that means, what even just like a uh, location change from where he lands, how drastically that would change the entire world in this, you know, made up fantasy land. But it would not have changed the world if Zack Snyder was directing because he would have just been his fate to overcome all that. <laughs> sure. Could you put a filter on this so it looks like there's muddy water on the film? <laughs> please, please take all these bright colors and make them look shitty and dull. Yeah, I actually really want to see Red Sun. I think it's. I've never read the graphic novel either, but I've always been interested in it. Mm hmm. So. It's, it's really interesting because it not only like everything not only shapes like his sort of uh, uh, life and how it changed, but how it affects sort of everybody around him. Like uh, Wonder Woman is sort of like an ambassador from the Mascara and they end up dealing a lot more with Russia since, you know, Superman's there and just how how that would completely change sort of Wonder Woman's relationship with the rest of the world and stuff like that. So, Batman and a Yushanka. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, so yeah, recommend. I would definitely check it out. Uh, after that, I watched The Lodge, 
which I had heard a bunch of things about, like a lot of buzz behind it. Um, so gave it a watch. I uh, don't want to get too far into it because I feel like to really talk about it, you'd have to spoil it. And I would rather not do that. Um, this movie is either really going to work for some people or people are going to hate it. I don't feel like there's a lot of middle ground in it. Um, so, uh, Alicia Silverstone, her and her husband are getting a divorce and we find out it may be because he is involved with another woman. Um, Something happens where he ends up in charge of the children for a period of time, and that he wants them to get to know his new girlfriend. So he suggested, hey, for Christmas, we should go up to this lodge that apparently him and Alicia Silverstone used to go out to with the kids all the time for Christmas. And they don't really want to because, you know, the new girlfriend's going to be there. And he ends up basically just like, well, this is kind of what we're, we're going to do it. Um, but then of course he has to leave for a couple days to go finish up some work nonsense or whatever. Uh, so the kids are left there with his new girlfriend and we find out early on his new girlfriend, um, maybe has a past to her where she was part of a cult that will remind you of the heaven's gate cult where the entire cult committed suicide, but she was the only survivor. Uh, when she was like 12 and then, uh, now, you know, they, uh, she's grown up and in relationship with this guy and the kids can't stand her and they all end up by themselves at this sort of remote cabin over a couple days and shit starts getting really weird. Um, so I'd say worth a watch, but like I said, if somebody walked away and was like, oh. I didn't like how they ended up. I would completely understand it. Uh, I thought it was all right, um, but I don't know. It would be up to everybody to figure out for themselves, I guess. Uh, after that, I watched The Hunt, which I've been wanting to see for a long time. Yeah. Uh, did not get a chance to see it in the theaters, because when I was doing my film festival, it was playing in the theater directly across the hall from where I was sitting the entire night. So I heard, I heard most of it. <laughs> but didn't get to see any of it. And then uh, I'm pretty sure I saw the entire movie, but probably in tiny snippets and not in order. Yeah. Um, so, and then that weekend was the weekend that the COVID stuff was starting to ramp up. So then I never got a chance to see it in the theater. And then they wanted 20 bucks to rent it for like a couple months. And I was like, fuck that bullshit. And then, Hey, you can buy it for 15. And I was like, that makes more sense. Um, so a bunch of people wake up and find out they've been kidnapped and transported somewhere and are being hunted by, for sport. And so we sort of follow a couple of these people as they try to fight to survive and figure out what's going on and, uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. It's very gory, very violent. And, uh, I don't know. Either you can get behind, like, sort of what's going on, or you can't. I don't really care either way. I just had fun watching people uh, hunt each other, I guess, if that says anything for stuff I like to watch. 
it's got a weird political anti-political message yeah. to it that is i don't know it's funny but it's kind of off-putting for everybody yeah <sighs> but i think that's the point so yeah i don't know watch it don't watch it um if you like the idea of people being hunted for sport i'd say go ahead and watch it see i love the idea of people being hunted for sport mm-hmm. i think we need more of that in our world so. yeah yeah, it's just that typical where they kidnap somebody to hunt for sport, and then it's like, well, they just kidnapped the wrong motherfucker, and then that person, of course, yeah. starts fucking them all up. And they always kidnap the wrong motherfucker. I don't That's know why right. they don't look into this. <laughs> Are those deputies that kidnapped Ice T? And in this <laughs> in this case, it's basically like uh, all the Rush Limbaugh stuff of. You know, he would say, Hillary Clinton's got a secret island where she takes conservatives to hunt them for sport. That's yeah. that's exactly what the fuck this movie is. Like, <laughs> it is exactly that weird conspiracy theory where you've got a bunch of, like, vegan hippies that are hunting conservatives for sport, which makes no fucking sense. <laughs> well, it's rich liberal elites is what yeah, they yeah. refer liberal to in this. Elites. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's it's like I said, it's gory and it's fun and whatever. Um, I also watched the new Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt movie, Kimmy versus the Reverend. Oh yeah, I did that too. That is a choose your choose your own adventure movie. Okay. Which I feel like the Kimmy Schmidt uh, universe is perfect for a choose your own adventure movie. Yeah, that's um, right. But I will say. I feel like the branches don't really go very far. I feel like if you just make a wrong, like if you make the wrong choice, it's just the wrong choice. And they just take you right back to where you were and play out the other scenario instead. Yeah. Well, there's because there's, you know, there's a perfect ending that you can get to. Did did you do all the endings? Did you go back through it a bunch of times? I only went through it. I only went through it twice. I basically did did it one way, and then I'm like, all right, now I'm going to go back through and pick all of the other options that I didn't pick last time. That's basically yeah, I, I I love at the end of the movie, they talk shit about you. If you missed something, they're like, yeah, that ending was pretty good, but, you know, Titus really isn't happy, you piece of shit. You know? <laughs> well, I got the one where they accidentally uh, end the Me Too movement. And oh yeah, yeah, men, yeah. It's decided that men can go just go back to doing whatever they want, and they immediately pull their pants because they're on a movie set. All the men just pull their pants off and start like dry humping all the women on set. <laughs> so see, that sounds pleasant. Yeah. Did you did you get the the thing where uh, where you have the opportunity to kill the reverend and you kill him all the different ways? Oh yeah, I went through each option. I liked I liked the the secret one where after you do the third one he's like all right well you did it you killed me all three ways this is hell this is where you're going too <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah karate <laughs> karate run karate run um yeah so it's a lot of fun and all of your usual Kimmy Schmidt people show up which makes it a lot of fun and so yeah I I, I don't even though I don't feel like the branches fan out as much as I would like, it's hard to go wrong with a 
choose your own adventure Kimmy Schmidt story. So and they're fun. Like and I, I like the fact that it's the opposite kind of of what they did with Bandersnatch, you know, where mm-hmm. Bandersnatch is this deep psychological layered craziness. Yeah. And then this one's just like, ha, look at how fun it is. <laughs> it pretty pretty much. And I'm gonna make my pitch again. I think DC should license Ambush Bug to Netflix <laughs> and they should do a choose your own adventure series. Yeah. Where it's like eight episodes, but you have to get a specific ending to unlock the next episode and shit. <laughs> so it's almost yeah. like a game and a show. Figured out, DC. A, a, a show game, if you will, rather than a game show. <laughs> yeah, I did like uh, they have an option where Titus can either go to the gym or he can lie and say he's going to the gym, but he's really going to go home and take a nap. And if you do the oh. one where he goes home to take a nap, you can choose the option to wake him up and all this shit happens to keep trying to wake him up and he just ignores it and keeps sleeping. He's like, Mm-mm, I know you ain't a real hamburger. <laughs> Did you attempt to skip the intro? Uh, no. Uh, so that is the greatest fucking joke in the entire thing. So the Netflix skip intro thing pops up. And if you hit it, the guy who sings the intro song walks out and berates you for trying to skip it. (laughs) And and then he's like, just for that, this is what we're doing. And it does like a longer version of it where the intro is like eight and a half minutes long. Oh, I would have done that. Because you yeah, never it's skip the it's you, delightful. You never kick, you skip the Kimmy Schmidt intro. That song is banging. So yep, yep. You should go back and rewatch it and do that because it's it's delightful. Where he's like, "You did not just try to skip my part of the show." <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, if you have Netflix, check out the Choose Your Own Adventure Kimmy Schmidt movie because it's pretty fantastic. It's a miracle. Um, and then the last thing I watched right before we started recording I watched because I forgot to drop today was the uh, documentary Scream Queen My Nightmare on Elm Street uh, which is the documentary about Mark Patton who was in Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and basically about how that movie pretty much ruined his entire life Um, so yeah it's it's interesting because uh, I feel like you talk to anybody about Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and everybody's like, oh, that's the that's the bad one. And then, you know, of course, the other thing is the, all the gay subtext in the movie and like all this stuff. And so you watch this documentary, documentary about Mark Patton. He pretty much tells you how he got into acting and all this stuff and then talks about Nightmare 2 and then how as a closeted actor in the 80s, specifically 1985, how being in this movie basically just ruined the rest of his career and uh, how AIDS pretty much just ruined anything for any gay actors in Hollywood in the, in specifically 1985. And it just kind of goes through all this and it sort of culminates in like a big, uh, um, I think they're having was it the 30th anniversary show down in a convention in florida and so it sort of culminates there and you finally just come around to how this movie is actually way more celebrated now than what it was when it came out and just sort of what that means to the people that are in the movie and 
all this other stuff. It just explores a lot of stuff that I think is really fascinating when you sort of step step back from it. Um, so yeah, it's streaming on Shutter right now. Definitely worth a watch. Um, yeah, just go in and go through go through the journey or whatever, and just enjoy it. And since a lot of it was filmed at some conventions, I saw a bunch of friends in it. <laughs> Which I was just like, holy shit, I didn't know all these people were in this. That's hilarious. So. I was going to say, I'm not a fan. I'm just not a fan of two. I just, yeah. But I think not- you, should, you should watch it because it's not about if part two is good or not. But it's just about sort of living with the backlash of that movie. And what it means and stuff. And then there's controversy as far as because the the writer has always said that that there was supposed to be very very subtle gay overtones in it but then apparently over the years he has blamed mark Patton that he was just so gay that he, he was, basically he ruined the gay. movie <laughs> yes that's that's exactly it what the fuck it, see that upsets me well yeah. you, you will you will experience the entire journey because he has refused to sit down with Mark Patton to just ha- just hash it out, like what that means, what him saying stuff like that, like what that happened to him, what happened to Mark Patton afterwards, and you, the entire journey of the movie is sort of dealing with this, and then at the very end they finally have a sit down conversation, and they sort of hash it out of what saying stuff like that has caused and stuff for people and. Like it's it's really good. Like I would highly recommend it, even if you're a fan of part two or not. I think it's just a fascinating subject matter. Yeah, I I mean it's a it's it's sometimes it's an interesting film whenever it comes up because of the people who don't like the film. There's generally two reactions. There's my reaction, which is it's just too different from the rest of the series. Like it's it doesn't. Yeah. The mythology doesn't fit, and it's just it's it's just a really weird sequel. It's the exact same reason why people don't like Halloween Three is the exact reason why people don't like Nightmare on Elm Street Two, because yeah. it doesn't it doesn't fit the mold. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, a valid criticism of that film. And then you have other people who go, "Ooh, that's the gay one," in which. That's not cool. Like that, that yeah. is not at all the reason why mm-hmm. yeah. that movie isn't bad because it's got gay subtext. That's weird. Yeah, they uh, they tackle a lot of that in this, so it's fascinating. It's fascinating to watch, and just the only, I guess, downside for me would be they don't talk to Robert Englund enough about it. Because even though the the documentary is kind of focused on Mark Patton, they talk to, like, everybody pretty much involved with that movie. With the They talk to Robert some, but I feel like he doesn't really get into uh, enough of sort of the, the after effect of that movie, where I feel like he could have done more talking about that kind of stuff, but... Well, he didn't know. really have a negative after effect of the movie, though, right? Like, he got to go into three and go forward. And oh, sure, 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 sure. Icon, right? So no, maybe. he didn't have enough. Yeah, he didn't have. Well, but I think it would have been interesting to sit in 
like he sympathizes with Mark Patton that he had to deal with a lot of bullshit after the, the the second one came out. But I feel like there's just more more of a conversation that he could have had with Mark Patton about it, and they don't really get into it as much as I would guess I hoped that they would. I don't know. And it's, it's weird to think about, though, but one of the things, one of the other complaints I have about it is he's not... Uh, Robert England carries all the films mm-hmm. and he's almost relegated to a nothing in two. Yeah. He's just, he's just kind of the boogeyman, but he doesn't, I don't know. Like you said, it's not, it, it's not the same mold. You don't have that, uh, demented tormentor Freddie that is what makes that series good. Yeah. I think you, if it weren't for Robert England, I'm not sure any of those movies would be that likable. Like probably yeah. one and three are likable um, with a, a lesser actor, but he really created that character that makes all the other ones enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't get enough screen time in two. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot negative. There's a lot wrong with two. Um, mm-hmm. For sure. You know, it's, it's not a good movie and that's not, it sucks that these guys had to pay a price for being in not a good movie because as an mm-hmm. actor, you just sign on for the role. And yeah. I didn't know that the, the writers had said those things about the actor being like too gay and causing the problems. It's like, yeah, like, like Noah was saying, that's not the problem with the movie. No. The problem with the movie is it's a poorly made film that mm-hmm. doesn't belong in the series it's in. Yeah. I just, I find it, I find it interesting that a movie, uh, a movie like that with that type of um, um, social subtext is is derided for that subtext. But then you take a movie like The Lost Boys that was not written to have that kind of subtext, and the director came in and was like, "No, I want sexy boys." <laughs> like, and everybody's like, "Best vampire movie ever." <laughs> uh. Yeah. Well, I do. I do think a lot of that is the fifty percent plus one rule, right? As soon as you like a movie fifty percent, you're like, now I'm on board for everything. Now I appreciate that they put it in context, and now I do this and, I, and all that. Whereas if you don't really like a movie, you'll start to find everything wrong with it, and people will focus on the stuff that assholes like to focus on, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I said, high recommend. Whether you enjoy Nightmare on Elm Street 2 or not, I think just listening to people talk about just, you know, people's reaction to it, almost like how it's become become like a gay icon movie now. Like, you know, Mark Patton went from people telling him, you know, dropping hard gay slurs at him and stuff online to, you know teens coming up to him at horror conventions saying how that movie saved their life and stuff like that. And just like these weird, like weird turnarounds that I guess you wouldn't really think about with this movie, but they just explore all that. And I think it's, it's really, it's a really interesting subject to just kind of go on the journey with and just see what happens over however long it was that they filmed this documentary. So streaming on shutter. So if you got shutter, you can watch it for free. 
horror movie horror movie documentaries are one of the greatest gifts of all time <laughs> because i there aren't a lot that i come across that i'm like no that was bad like they're all awesome mm. best worst movie it's delightful if you've never seen it <laughs> best worst movie is awesome oh it's amazing the, yeah. the dude the dude who plays the dad that's a dentist that yeah. basically they're showing like he's it's sad in a weird way that he yeah. seems so desperate to for attention or something oh but no I see i feel the complete but, opposite but at the same but the, but at the same time that's not who he is he just gets that he did something silly and fun oh, and man. he loves the fact that people like it mm-hmm yeah, that's As opposed fun... to the director of the movie who somehow thinks that he's a genius. Yeah. Which yeah, is that's, weird. That's the fun part of him going to a convention and just like chatting with other celebrities that are there and realizing that he's just there because he made a fun movie and just wants to talk to fans about it. Whereas, you know, I was third zombie in Walking Dead and their life now is just doing these conventions to pay their bills. And he's just like, this is sad. It's just like, I don't need none of this bullshit. I can just go back and continue being a dentist. I don't know. I don't know if I want to keep doing the convention circuit. I just like whenever they show him in the dentist's office or whatever, he's like, I was in a movie. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I love that guy. Um, I still recommend In Search of Darkness. Uh, four-hour documentary just talking about 80s horror movies and going year by year as they just rattle off stuff and have talking heads for a couple minutes about each one. It's a great, like, I'm going to throw this on while I'm doing something and just kind of enjoy it that way type of movie. Something. I just like these deep dives. I like the oh, where sure. they take they take a hour-and-a-half movie and somehow turn it into a two and a half hour documentary about making that <laughs> hour and a sure. half movie in the hour and a half, in the the two and a half hour documentary is almost more interesting than the movie was <laughs> oh for sure yeah i've got i've got lots of them i got one on creep show too i've got one on pet cemetery which other ones have i bought recently I don't know. I have all kinds of them. I always, so. I always get excited. I don't buy a lot of physical media anymore, but whenever I buy a Blu-ray and I pop it in to watch it and it pops up and it says, you know, blah, 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 the making of. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> it is time. Now uh, we will watch a five and a half hour documentary about Don Opper and Critters. <laughs> 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 Oh, yeah, I got the uh, You're So Cool, Brewster, like the three-and-a-half-hour documentary on uh, Fright Night. I have that one, too. Nice. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, so next week, Body Snatcher Month continues, and we're going to be doing the 70s Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And we're teaming that up with, since Donald Sutherland's in that, in that one, we're teaming up with another Donald Sutherland one, called the puppet masters which i've never seen before it's also a body snatchers type movie yeah well i know it's like aliens like latching onto your brain stem or something yeah Yeah, i was gonna say you didn't see puppet masters i thought that was a pretty big uh, b movie i remember when it came out i just never saw it i remember thinking it was a really popular movie and then when uh when buffy did their homage episode to it 
I remember like nobody understanding where that came from and me being like, oh, the rest of you didn't see that B movie in the early 90s? <laughs> like, that's weird. I thought you all saw that. Everybody saw that. <laughs> yeah. So. I can tell you guys one fun. thing. Somebody at my work is going to get pointed at with me going, ah! <laughs> <laughs> As they should. And they're going to be so confused, I'm going to lose my job. (laughs) They're going to be like, what's wrong with Noah? You have a stroke? I'm sure that they say that every day. (laughs) Did you guys see my birthday present that Char got me? No. She got me a... So while we were in Florida last year, we uh, stopped at this place that's called... Fuck. God damn it. What's it called? Skulls? I think it's called Skulls Skulls Skeleton Museum or something like that. And uh, it's it's a touristy trap place, but it's this giant museum that's nothing but articulated skeletons and preserved specimens and all that kind of stuff, which is really, really cool. But their gift shop, you can get like tarantulas and uh, all sorts of crazy little animals preserved in like acrylic. Mm. And uh, she got me a desk standee that is a bat and a tarantula preserved in acrylic. So I've got that on my desk at work, and everybody's like, what in the hell? And I'm like, what? It's awesome. <laughs> like, mm. It's like, look at so, its little bat teeth. Yeah, it's a bat that's going to spread the COVID through the office. Good job. <laughs> it's sealed in acrylic. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Although maybe I should make it, maybe I should make a teeny tiny little mask that I could tape to the front of it. <laughs> I just, I feel like this is like some shitty movie where somebody's just going to be hungry one day and come in and break your thing and eat the bat from it, and that's how the disease starts. <laughs> oh Jesus! Like I need that bat. Break it open. Oh, I'm so hungry. I should have brought something from home. Oh, I tipped and left something on his oh. desk. We dig that. And then just as uh, just as they're about to bite into it, uh, fucking uh, Ghost Dog walks in with a sword. He's like, "No, don't, <laughs> Ghost Dog." <laughs> in case we didn't get enough last week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, the show at this point. That's that's pretty much it right there. <laughs> uh, works for me. I wish people at my office had a better sense of humor because I would come running in there with like a foam katana and just hit something. <laughs> Go stop! <laughs> Again. You guys have seen that movie, right? They'd be like, what is wrong with Noah? <laughs> have you seen that Noah movie? I said this a lot. No, but it's fun. I love that at the end of the day, it would be everybody saw a ghost dog except Noah, and that's why they're all confused by his behavior. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it. We, we all know what ghost dog is, but you're not behaving anything like Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> you're not dressed like him. You don't talk like him. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Come at blackface, Sharon? Oh. It's unacceptable. Fucking Sharon. Ghost dog. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon.
Good night.